Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bolton E-Bikes podcast, a place where you can learn all about electric bikes. Now I know I've covered this before, but today I want to take a deeper dive into the world of electric bike motors and which one is the right one for you. This is a question I've been getting a lot lately, so I wanted to make sure to cover it in a little bit more detail. People are asking me, which bike should I buy? And that, of course, is a very common question, but probably one of the biggest concerns or things they're trying to figure out is, which bike should I buy? Because they don't know what motor they should buy. They don't know how many watts they should go with. They don't know if they should go with a hub motor, a geared hub motor a direct drive hub motor? Should they go with a mid-drive? Should they get a cadence sensor type of motor? Should they get with one with torque sensing? There's so many options. And even if you've been doing research, you can understand how this would be confusing unless you've had a chance or the opportunity to test ride a bike with each of these different styles. It's really hard, at least in my opinion, to choose which one is the right one. And usually through a phone conversation and talking to people, we can kind of narrow that down and figure it out. But it's not the easiest thing to do when you're researching on your own online because the specs are all very confusing. The way people market e-bikes is very confusing. And I want to fix that. Now, if you are local to Bolton e-bikes, I'm here in Northern California in Grass Valley. Of course, we always recommend setting up an appointment, coming by for a test ride, and just riding different bikes and trying them for yourself. And then you can know firsthand exactly what you want. Because sometimes people have a preconceived notion as to which type they want. They come test ride a few bikes, and all of a sudden things change, and they realize, oh, this motor actually did have enough power, or the mid-drive wasn't what I wanted. There's all sorts of different things that happen. So let's break it down. Let's try and help you decide which motor is the right type for you. Because if you can decide that, trying to figure out which e-bike to buy next, it just makes that whole process a lot easier. So let's break it down right now. First off, let's talk about wattage. We have anywhere from 250 watt motors to 350 watts, 500 watts, 750 watts, 1,000 watts, 1,500 watts. I even have bikes now that go up to 5,000 watts. So let's just start simply. How much do you actually want to pedal? And how much do you want your bike to feel like a traditional bicycle? Are you a tried and true cyclist, been riding a bike your entire life, and you just need a little bit of an assist, but you don't want to mess with a throttle? You don't want to mess with the screen or too many settings, and you just want it to feel exactly like a bike, but operate with a little bit of an assist so you don't get quite as tired, then maybe a 250-watt motor is enough. Maybe one of the high-end motor systems from Bosch or Shimano is going to fulfill your needs. Now, I'll be honest, my average customer is not looking for that type of motor. Most of the people that I seem to be selling e-bikes to or doing business with have not ridden a bike in many years, or maybe they are riding a bike, but it's just getting 
really difficult and they need a little bit more help than that. And that's when I start recommending at least a 500 watt motor. Because in my opinion, if you have a 250 or a 350 watt motor, it's very helpful, especially on flat ground. I mean, a 350 watt motor on a fat bike, it can maintain 20 miles an hour. If you're not even pedaling, that's a lot of power. But when you start getting into hills, then the motor's going to struggle and you're going to have to pedal and put in quite a bit of effort for the bike to go up those hills. Will the bike do it? Absolutely. Will it be helpful? Absolutely. Is it going to be so much help that if you're really tired and just beat for the day that the motor's going to do most of the work? Not quite. Uh, And that's a different type of riding experience on those lower wattage levels than it is once you start getting up to, like I said, 500 watts. I feel like that's the breaking point where you can start using throttle only in certain scenarios. And don't get me wrong, it's not like you have to use the throttle all the time. You don't. You can use pedal assist. You can get as much exercise as you want. But a 500 watt motor will make it up most hills with very little assistance. So if you want the ability to have more help coming from the motor than what you're putting in, then I think a 500 watt is where that breaking point, that starts to happen, where the motor can put in more effort than you can. Now, do you want enough power that you can go up a hill without pedaling at all? Then I would recommend a 750 watt or greater power at that point. If you want to get up just about any hill and not have to pedal too much, and like I said, this isn't that you do this all the time, it's just that the bike has the capability of doing it, then I recommend 750 watts. If you want to go faster than that, let's say a 750 watt bike can go somewhere between 25 and 30 miles an hour, because there's a lot of variability on the type of bike and the type of motor that's used exactly, but most 750 watt bikes can go somewhere between 25 and 30 miles an hour on the top end. If you want more speed than that, Now you got to start bumping up the power even more. That's when it makes sense to go to a 1,000 to 1,500 watt motor. If you want to get into the 30 to 35 plus mile an hour range, that's where a mid-drive motor with a 1,000 watts or more has that capability and can do that. Now, the other type of motor that can also get into those higher speed ranges would be a direct drive motor. So... We have to kind of start talking about the different types of motors a little bit too. But first we cover the wattage because if you kind of narrow down the ballpark of what power, then you can use the type of motor to kind of fine tune that selection a little bit. And I hope that makes sense. But in my mind, that's the easiest way to go about this and narrow things down. First decide how much power you want, and then you can figure out which motor is the best for your application. 30 to 40 miles an hour in that ballpark range you need more than 1,000 watts, maybe 1,500 watts to get in those upper 30 range, either a direct drive motor or a mid-drive motor. A geared hub motor is not going to have quite the top-end speed that those other two will. And then if you want to go above 40 miles an hour, which is really fast, then you're getting into the more light motorcycle type of category. And I do have one bike that fits into that right now. And that is a 5,000 watt motor. So under pedaling power and motor, there's a couple of bikes I can get up to about 40 miles an hour that are around 1,500 watts peak. 
but to get from 40 miles an hour to 50 miles an hour, you don't just add a little bit of power. You really have to take a huge leap in wattage and jump up to like 5,000 watts, which seems crazy. But uh, if you look at drag and all of those things, it takes an exponential amount of power to increase your speed. So if you want 50 mile an hour speeds, 40 to 50 miles an hour, just keep in mind, the only way to do that is just with gobs and gobs of power, no matter what kind of motor you're going to need. So hopefully you have an idea of which one of those categories you fit into. Now let's talk about the different types of motors. Where are you going to be riding? Is it on flat ground all the time? Well, if you know the speed range you want to go, if you're on flat ground, let's say you just want to do 20 miles an hour. Any of those motors are capable of doing that, even the 250 watt motors, as long as it's on a decent sized wheel. I just say that with a slight caveat, because if you got a small little tiny folding bike of some sort with a little 250 watt motor, I have seen some that can't quite hit 20 miles an hour. But for the most part, a normal 24, 26 inch tire on a 250 watt wheel can do 20 miles an hour. If you want to start getting into some hills, then, and you still think that the lower wattage is right for you, you just want a little assist, you might want to consider a mid-drive because you can really maximize the power of the motor to those hills by shifting through the gears. A hub motor is limited in that most hub motors just have a single speed. It's like having a car that just has one gear. And it's optimized for how most people use it. It has a, a good combination of a little bit of top-end power, a little bit of low-end power. Uh, but it's not super great at either at that low power level. So if you want a lower-powered e-bike, 250 to 350 watts, but you want to go up and down a lot of hills, I would take a look at some of the mid-drive bikes because the gearing is going to make a big difference in how you can utilize that bike's power to get you up and down the trails. Now, if you want a little bit more assistance on the hills, we can, like I said, go to a 500 watt motor. You go into the mid-drive motor, and then if you're in a low gear, you can make it up just about any hill. It may not be the fastest, but it will do it. I've got one bike that's a new version of a cargo bike coming out right now, and it has a mid-drive motor. It's only a 500 watt motor, but it's got plenty of torque. I just released a YouTube video about it and on that bike with me on the front at uh, all of 200 pounds and a passenger on the back, I put it in a low gear and went up a steep hill, no pedaling. And the bike might've only been doing, you know, six or seven miles an hour. I don't recall exactly the speed, but the point is with a mid-drive 500 watt motor, that bike could haul two people uphill without any pedaling. And that's pretty impressive. A 500 watt hub motor, whether it's direct drive or a geared hub motor, would not be capable of doing that. With a single person, possibly depending on how steep the hill is and the rider weight, but with two people, just not gonna happen. But a mid-drive motor can do it. Now, if you wanna go faster up the hill, you gotta add more power. A 750-watt motor is, is gonna go a little bit quicker overall than a 500-watt mid-drive. There's gonna be some similarities, I think, depending on the terrain and the gearing between a 500 in the right gear and a 750 watt that's maybe not in the optimum gear. But if they're both in their ideal performance ranges, whether it's a hill or a flat stretch, depending on how they're designed, 
the 750 watt obviously just has more power and it's going to outperform a little bit. Uh, but there are some situations where the 500 watt mid-drive motor will be able to keep up. Now, if you jump up the power to the 750 watt, say a mid-drive, now you're going to be able to outperform the 750 watt hub motor because you can get into a better gear for the conditions that you're in. So a 750 watt hub motor and a 750 watt mid-drive, both at their optimum conditions, they're going to go at the same speed. But a hub motor, like I said, it's a single speed. It's going to be limited. So up the steepest of hills, you can shift down in the mid-drive. You can't in the hub motor. So the mid-drive is going to have more acceleration. Once you get to the top end, the mid-drive can shift up. The, mo- the hub motor can't. So the mid-drive is going to have a little bit more top speed. Now, as far as the reliability of these two motors, the motors themselves, in my opinion, are going to be the same. One is not more reliable than the other. I think where people get a little confused is they think about the mid-drive having more moving parts. And it's true when you think of the overall package, because that mid-drive motor has to turn your chain on your bicycle and your derailleur and your cassette or your freewheel on the bike. So there are more moving parts overall. Is it less reliable? Not if it's used in the right way. When you get to 1,000 watts or 1,500 watts of power on a mid-drive, that's a lot of power to put through a chain. It's more than the average person can put through a bicycle. So most bicycle components are not designed to withstand those levels of power for either long periods of time or sudden bursts. So it is possible, say if you're in the wrong gear, to snap a chain right off with a powerful mid-drive motor. I have had customers do it. Now, me personally, I haven't done it, surprisingly. I've broken chains on hub motor bikes. I've broken chains on pedal bikes. But funny enough, I've actually not broken a chain while riding on my 1,000 watt, 1,500 watt peak mid-drive bicycle. Because if you are in the right gear, you're shifting properly, uh, that actually won't happen. So you just have to be aware of how to properly use the bike so that it properly lasts. Now, if you're going for the 1,000 watt to 1,500 watt mid-drive motors, I don't want you to be worried about the maintenance aspect and be worried about breaking parts and pieces. Because if you have the right things installed, for example, a shift sensor, which is something that cuts power to the motor when you shift gears, and most good motors will have one of those installed. Most good bikes will have that from the factory. So it shouldn't be something you should have to add. Hopefully most bikes, at least all of mine, come with that when the bikes are shipped. Now there are some mid-drive motors that go up into the 3,000 watt and above range. Usually those are more DIY type things. Those are scenarios where you have to be really careful about how fast the power is applied and all sorts of different factors. But I'm not going to get into those because those are not common. They're not typical on bikes that you can actually just go online and buy. That would be pretty rare. What starts to get more common on the higher power levels are the direct drive motors. And I don't want to leave these out, even though I've been mostly talking about the geared hub motors or the mid-drives and how those compare. But just as a general consensus, a direct drive motor for an equal wattage of a geared hub motor, they're both hub motors, the geared hub motor, just to clarify, has a gear reduction. So in the Bafang motors, it's a five to one gear reduction ratio 
meaning the motor has to spin five times for the wheel to spin once. So the motor is spinning faster, and therefore it has a little bit more torque available to actually turn that rear wheel. The direct drive is so named a direct drive because one rotation of the motor is literally turning one rotation of that rear wheel. So they're not going to have as much torque, but because they're a little bit lower on the torque end, the top speed is usually a little bit better. So whereas a geared hub motor, say on 48 volts at say 750 watts, might max out at 28 miles an hour, maybe 30 miles per hour at most, a direct drive hub motor, very easy to get in the 35 mile an hour plus range just because of how the motor itself is designed. Now the disadvantages are that a direct drive motor is usually bigger in diameter, not as stealthy if that's something you're looking for, and it's usually heavier. Geared hub motors are more common because they're lighter, they're more compact, they have more torque on the low end, and they just make a little bit more sense based on how most people use them. The only direct drive motor I have on a bike right now is what we call the X15, which is that bike with 5,000 watts, because 5,000 watts on a direct drive motor on a big heavy bike like that, that's over 100 pounds with a massive battery, makes sense. You've got so much power there that the lower torque is not a problem. It can fly up any hill with plenty of power to spare. And because it's a direct drive and it's directly linked to the axle, when you brake, there's usually an ability to turn on the regenerative braking. So you can use the motor like a generator to slow you down. It feeds a little bit of power back into the battery, but mostly it's advantageous for using it as a secondary brake function. And that's really useful on a bike that goes 40 or 50 miles an hour. On a bike that only goes 20 to 30 miles an hour on the top end, it's not really worth the extra weight penalty and the penalty on the low end torque to have that extra weight and drag of that direct drive motor, which is why you don't see them as often on those lower power applications. So I hope that helps kind of give you an overview of the wattage ranges, where the different motors fit in. And the last thing I want to talk about, because this is becoming more and more common, like I said, is the cadence sensing versus the torque sensing. This is something that usually you only see on a mid-drive motor. There are a few exceptions. The one exception I have to this rule is the new Bolton Blackbird. That is a bike that comes with a rear hub motor, a geared hub motor, but we've updated the bike so that the new versions are coming with a torque sensor instead of a cadence sensor. So like I said, usually referring to mid drives, but don't be confused because this can be applied to a hub motor as well. It's just not as common. I think we might see it become more common as time goes on. But let me first break down what the differences are. A cadence sensor or a torque sensor, those are both talking about your pedaling. So how does this interact with the motor? The cadence sensor is usually a little magnetic disc and a sensor next to it. And when this magnetic disc spins past the sensor, the bike has a signal that it receives and it knows that you're pedaling. It can detect maybe, depending on the sensor, how fast you're pedaling. Usually it just detects that you are pedaling, 
but it has no idea how hard you're pedaling. You could be pedaling very loosely, hardly working at all. You could be really struggling up a hill. The bike has no idea what you're doing. It just knows that you are moving your legs. The cranks are moving around. And that's a cadence sensor. A torque sensor is a little bit more sophisticated in that it can actually detect how hard you're pushing on those cranks. So if you are getting to a steep hill and you start pedaling harder, the torque sensor will pick that up, feed that information to the motor controller, and the motor will increase its power because you are pedaling harder. So some people describe the feeling of a torque sensor as more of like being Superman because you are pedaling just like a regular bike. When you pedal harder, you go faster. The cadence sensor, it just can't do that. It doesn't know. So does that make a torque sensor better? Not necessarily. I talked to somebody today and I've talked to other people who have some issues with their legs or their health and they don't always have that power available, but they still can move their legs. They still want to get some exercise, but they want the ability to turn the power up without it being directly tied to how hard they're physically pushing. And so for those scenarios, the torque sensor actually doesn't make sense. A cadence sensor is better because you can crank the power levels up. The bike doesn't know that you're not pedaling harder, but at least you can use the extra power to get you up a hill and uh, you don't have to worry about actually putting in more physical exertion to make the bike go faster. So the torque sensor is a little more sophisticated. It's usually a little bit more expensive, usually found on higher end bikes. Some people absolutely love it and think it's great. And there are some other people that just don't like it. They like to be able to turn the power up or down on their own, and the bike doesn't really know how much effort they're putting in. In my opinion, either one can work, and either one can be great. I highly recommend test riding both if you're not sure which one you think would be the best fit for you, if at all possible. I understand that's not always possible. That's why I do these podcasts and these YouTube videos to try and teach people what the differences are. So if they are buying online, they can make the best decision they can without having a test ride. But I just want people to know that a torque sensor versus a cadence sensor, they're just like the motors. They're different. A mid-drive motor is different than a hub motor. A torque sensor is different than a cadence sensor. But one is not necessarily better than the other in all situations. And that's why I have bikes that have all types of motors. I have sensors for the pedal assist that are both types because sometimes it just depends on the person. It depends on you and what you need in an e-bike as far as which one is the best fit. Just to summarize, when you're looking at e-bikes, you want the maximum power. Usually that's going to be a mid-drive motor is going to have a greater range of power for a given wattage compared to a hub motor. If you are looking at the really high-end power range, you know, I'm talking the 40 to 50 mile an hour bikes, then you might find some good direct drive motor options. You might find some mid-drives there too, but they're not going to have standard bicycle chains. They're going to be a totally different type of setup. And like I said, that's more like a lightweight dirt bike at that point. So completely different animal at that point. If you're looking for just something that can help a little bit and rides like a bicycle, if you're really into cycling now and you just want to go a little further, a little faster, then you know maybe one of those lower 250-watt type bikes would do it. But most people are happier, I find, with the 500-watt and up. If they're in really 
varied terrain, lots of hills, usually the 750 watt bikes and up is what they're going for. If you want to climb all the hills, a mid-drive has the most power possible, but a 750 watt can do it. I hope that helps narrow things down. I hope that gives you a better idea of what motor might be the best fit for you. Now, if you have more questions, of course, you can always email us at info at boltonebikes.com. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, make sure to go to our domain for the podcast specifically. It's really easy to remember. It is ebikepodcast.com. Once again, that's ebikepodcast.com. You'll sign up for our newsletter there. We'll send you emails when new podcast episodes come out. And we'll also notify you about any upcoming bike giveaways. At the time I'm recording this episode, I am giving away an electric bike. It will be over by the time this episode comes out, but I have another one coming up really soon. And not only is it a giveaway for an electric bike, it is an amazing electric bike. It is a brand new model that has not yet been released, and it's not even going to be available till later this fall, but somebody is going to be the lucky winner of a one-of-a-kind color brand new model that's not even out yet, and somebody's going to get it ahead of the rest of the public. So please go to ebikepodcast.com, sign up if you haven't already, because somebody's going to win a really cool, awesome, brand new electric bike that has a good amount of power, not too crazy, but a lot of power, easy to get on, and it's going to be a one-of-a-kind color and they're going to get it in advance ahead of the actual production run before anybody else. So make sure to go check that out. Thanks again for listening to my podcast. I do appreciate all of you. Go join the Facebook groups about e-bikes. There's one for Bolton e-bikes. Go check out the YouTube channel. Leave comments. Just get involved, even if you don't have a bike yet, because if you're listening here, I can guarantee you either do or you will very soon. (laughs) 